If you want more power, better vision, and a bulletproof mindset, then I would like to welcome you to CG Plus, Complete Games Online Player Development Center. Now, baseball and softball players of all ages and skill levels can access a multimedia experience providing education and instruction on your personal mobile platform. Rob Cruz has put together an online video portal, a remote hitting program, as well as a series of online hitting courses boasting a curriculum that features pitch recognition strategies, power, video analysis, mental skills, and then some. For more info, log on to www.cg.plus. That's www.cg.plus to find out how you can complete your game today. Welcome to the Transcending Sport Podcast with Rob Cruz, an audio experience bringing you interviews, conversations, and more from some of the most intriguing personalities in the sports world. And now, your host, Rob Cruz. What's up, everybody? This is Rob Cruz, your host of Transcending Sport. My guest is Lou Ledoux. He's the CEO and founder of Axis Gas in Fall River, Massachusetts. Lou, welcome to the show. Thank you, Rob. How are you? I'm Great. You're, uh, I hope you're coming up with some solutions for the coronavirus so we can get back to playing baseball. <laughs> Uh, I'll, I'll defer to the science scientists. <laughs> you don't want to, you don't want a B student trying to tell the country what to do, right? Exactly. <laughs> Let the smart people handle that stuff. Um, so, um, what I want to do is I'd like to, you know, talk a little bit about bats and, and baseball bats and professionals, baseball and, um, some of the things that you're doing in bat design, Sure, I'd um, love to. working with the pros. But before we do that, I kind of want to get a little bit of background into how you, um, you know, how you got into the bat industry and a little bit of background on you and the company and how that how that happened. Well, I was a house builder for many many years, um, and I loved wood. Uh, always loved working with wood. I loved the uh, the intricacies of uh, all the different types of species and colors and where it grew, how it grew. But anyway, I uh, uh, I was a house builder play baseball till I was probably 40 years old at a much lower level than you or uh, uh, many of the kids that are out there today. But it was, you know, we just, for the love of the game, uh, getting out there, the camaraderie. Um, I never really gave much thought uh, about bats at that point because a bat was simply something that was in the, in the, uh, in the on-deck circle. You picked it up, uh, you know, you got something that felt halfway decent, and you went up to the plate with it. You never really gave it as much thought as the kids do today. Uh, at the professional level so uh, I was approached by someone um, whom we both know and they were looking for someone to make uh, bats at a professional level for big league players mm -hmm. and I said well you know I'm doing pretty well right now at what I'm doing and I don't know if I want to make a, a life changing uh, uh, career change at that point at somewhere I think it was around 50 years old mm -hmm. and I said I just assumed you know Anyway, they took me out, they whined me, they dined me, they convinced me uh, <laughs> that I should enter into making baseball bats. And I said, you know, I had a long discussion with my wife. I said, this is something I really, really, I love the game of baseball. Been a fan my whole life. My father was a, a diehard baseball player. I had a tryout with the Red Sox, actually, at one of those uh, walk-in camps. So he was a very good athlete. And I said, you know what, I think I'm going to give this a shot because it's something that I really have a passion for. So we started around 15 years ago. 
and the rest is history. Um, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, met a lot of great people like mm -hmm. yourself, mm -hmm. uh, who just have this passion about baseball, and who just you know it's 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 like it's a tool. The base uh, a baseball bat is an extension of a player's arms, and if it doesn't feel right, it's not going to work. And so that one-on-one -on -one fitting uh, a player to get him absolutely in the perfect uh, comfort position when he goes up to the plate, that just, that, that takes a little bit of work. Uh, takes a lot of time. Uh, I can't mention players' names uh, uh, for fear of getting my, uh, you know, my uh, myself some letters from uh, professional baseball. But anyway, we work <laughs> with some of the best players on the planet. Oh, we know, I know this. <laughs> And they're, they're very, very particular. Mm -hmm. uh, they can pick a bat up, hold it out. Like I said, it's an extension of their arm. Mm -hmm. And if it's a half half ounce off or it's not balanced properly, uh, just throw it aside. They know. So uh, that's kind of how I got into the game. And now we're, we're focusing a lot more on training, which is what you do. And you're one of the best in the country at it. And we've developed a, uh, a bat called an accelerator. Mm -hmm. Um which is a heavy bat, and I've designed that with the aid of Chili Davis, a uh, professional uh, baseball hitting coach. And Chili came to me probably uh, maybe four years ago and said, Lou, I'd like to get a weighted bat, but I want you to cup it really, really deep on the end because I don't want the bat to be an end-loaded bat where it affects the player's approach to the ball. So you know better than anybody, when you get something that's too heavy on the end, what's going to happen is that barrel is going to drop, the bat elbow, elbow is going to come forward, you're going to go into this dip, and you train a lot more than you practice. So what's going to happen is you're going to end up developing this bad hitch in your swing. Mm -hmm. And once you start at a young age, you keep doing that, you know better than anybody. That's going to be very difficult to correct as time goes on. So we sent them out the bats uh, with the deep cup in them, three inches deep, Problem was, even the best guys in the game will miss once in a while and get fooled on a pitch, and they would hit the end of the bat and crush the cup mm -hmm. because the walls were so thin. Right, right. So Chili says we need to uh, develop a, a bat that has the weight, that doesn't feel the weight that it is, that has no cup. And I said, yeah, yeah, that's no problem, Chili. I'll take care of that. I hung up the phone and said, what did I just do? I just I put my box myself in a corner. I have to reinvent the wheel here. Mm -hmm. But we worked at it for a couple of years. Uh, we came up with the design, and now it's out there. And let's put it this way: it's in the, uh, uh, at least it's almost half of all professional teams are using it organization wide, and every every uh, organization at the professional level is using it, uh, whether it's organization wide or with individual players. That's great. I mean, I sometimes when I go to games, I'll see those bats laying around, and obviously I'm using it. <laughs> My, with my players um, and I think it's a overload training is not something that's actually new um, but overload overload weighted bat training goes back to like as far as when, as far as I can remember I'll say probably 2001 2002 and there was a company that used to make gloves I think they still do make gloves that used to make a pretty good one then they stopped making it um, and it was a big part of, of how I was able to create power hitters, you know, power hitters in, in, in my job and what I was doing um, just because it was able to get players to kind of have to have that heavy heavier bat and get them to swing a little bit faster with it, build grip strength, build forearm strength wrist strength, and even just rotational speed, you know, because now that we're starting to get better at 
assessing and breaking down what a movement pattern should look and feel like in a swing, um, we, we start to understand how can we how we can design better tools that actually fit into what a what an athlete's training regimen is. So I have a question because you you, you mentioned um, that there were specific wood. They were like you said you specifically said wood species like different species of wood um and different textures of wood and if you could i'd like to i'd like to talk about that a little bit like what is the difference between bad wood and good wood how do you know um what you got birch you got maple you got ash you know why are there all these different types of bats why can't there just be one what's the difference why would one hitter want to swing with maple but then this guy wants to swing with birch or, or ash and then, then you got these composite wood bats that, which I don't even, I don't even, don't even get me started on that. <laughs> but like, yeah, what, like no, but like, what, 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 what's your take on that? Give us some information. Um, talk to us about bats and and trees and wood and how how it all comes together. What, what and how bats last? How do we, you know, just talk to us? Okay. Well, this uh, uh, in professional baseball mm-hmm. uh, in 1973, a mm-hmm. company came out, Sandbat came out, and uh, they put maple on on the uh, on the map. Yeah. And Barry Bonds, uh, they made the bats, the first bats for Barry Bonds. We all know what Barry Bonds did. Mm-hmm. Um, and then everyone uh, kind of followed suit. And they said, hey, what is this? Let's try this out. Because the wood that was predominantly out there was ash. Anytime when we were young, we'd pick up a bat, it was an ash bat. And the coach would always tell you, make sure you hold the label up. No one ever knew why. Just hold the label up. Well, the reason you hold the label up is because ash is uh, uh it's what they call a ringed porous wood that's what ash is there's diffused porous wood which is maple that's the hard hardwood species mm-hmm. and then there's ring ring porous wood which is ash so what happens is the vessels that carry the nutrients and the water up to the canopy of the tree to make the tree grow um there's two seasons there's early wood and there's late wood early wood in a ring porous tree uh the vessels are very large And when the vessels are very large, they're very soft and they're porous, which is why the old timers used to take bottle caps or a key or anything they get their hands on to scrape out the early wood and peen it over on a fence. We always said, hey, look at the guy rubbing a bat on a a fence post. Why is he doing that? Well, he's trying to peen over and weed out that soft wood. Mm -hmm. So as it relates to uh, uh, ring porous wood or ash, if you have a, a, a slow-growing season and you have a lot of tight rings on ash, that's actually a very weak piece of wood. People have this misconception that, oh, look how wide the growth rings are or how tight they are on ash. Mm-hmm. On ash, you want wide growth rings because the early wood turns into, when it gets into the, the what they call the late wood, the late wood is very dense. The vessels are smaller, so it's more dense. More dense means more pop on the ball. So there's a misconception that the tighter the growth rings are on ash, the better the batter is. Well, it's actually, it's, it's just the opposite. What you've got is a bunch of soft wood. So when you hit it, it's gonna dent easy, it's gonna have no pop. Now, as it, as it relates to maple, that's probably the most popular uh, uh, wood that's used for baseball bats. And people will come in and say, you know, uh, why I wanna swing an ash bat, I wanna swing this. And I say, why do you wanna swing that? Well, because I, I used to swing that when I was a kid, and my comeback is, listen, probably 99% of major uh, professional baseball players swing maple. Mm-hmm. They have the choice of swinging any wood they want. They're the mm-hmm. best players in the world. Mm-hmm. They choose maple. 
So I would think that if they choose Maple, you're probably better off going going in that direction. Exactly. Now, as it, <laughs> as it relates to Maple, as it relates to Maple, mm -hmm. uh, there's two types of Maple. Uh, there's hard Maple, and the scientific name is Acer Saccharinum. That's hard Maple, sugar Maple. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's what we use for professional bats. Mm -hmm. And there's another type of maple called soft maple or red maple, and that's acerubum. Those are two different uh, types of maple. Now, if you were to take a soft maple bat and a hard maple bat and put it side by side, you couldn't tell the difference. Mm -hmm. They look exactly the same. However, when you swing the bat against a 95-mile-an-hour fastball, that soft maple bat, there's a reason why they call it soft maple. It's going to have huge dents in it. Mm. So soft maple is a much lighter wood than hard maple. And I don't want to get into uh, uh, some companies. And what they do is they take soft maple so they can make the weight of the bat and have huge barrels on it. Mm. And you have a huge barrel and the mindset is the bigger the barrel, uh, the more surface area you have to hit the ball mm -hmm. that's that's really a fallacy um, because when you look at it to hit the ball properly as you know and I had this conversation with you about yeah. a big time player in Boston when I changed his I, I was his gonna I was just degree. thinking about that when you said that I was just <laughs> thinking about that <laughs> so we, uh, he was in a little bit of a slump I think we all know who he is yep. and, uh, yep. and I went to see him and I said David I'd really like to change the diameter of your barrel. He said, no, 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 no. I said, just, just hear me out. I said, I'm going to take your barrel and shave it down so much that you're not even going to know the difference. And the reason I'm going to do that is because right now your billet weight to make a bat is about 84 ounces. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take that uh, barrel, shave it down, and now your billet weight will be 89 to 90 ounces. So the, the billet, which is what we make a bat from, is the same diameter, same length, same everything. One's 84 ounces, one's 89, 89 to 90. What does that translate into? More density, more pop. Mm -hmm. We did that, and he took off, and he loved it. And he, I, I'll never forget it. I was up there. I gave him a couple samples. And he said, uh, chased me out in, into the stands, sent security up there, brought me back down. I said, listen, I need a dozen of these right right away. He just he felt it. It's just, just it's something that feels good for him. Yeah. I went home that night. I worked all night. Uh, and had the bats delivered the next day, and the rest is history as it relates to him. But that's mm -hmm. the that's the uh, that's some of the there's some fallacies out there about wood. Um, so hard maple, sugar maple, that is the that is the ultimate. Um, I could go on and on. So so, so why would why would is there a reason why someone would want to use soft maple, uh, other than probably saving money on the on the production of it or? Well, they want to use soft maple because here's what happens. These big league players, okay, uh, they have, they're big men, you know. Uh, these guys, are, uh, they're, they're, they're huge guys. They work out all the time. So they want the lightest bat for bat speed with the biggest barrel. So how do you do that? You have to find the lightest piece of wood that you can find because you take less off. If you leave more on, it means you take less off. Which means you have to you have to get started with a light piece of wood. Mm -hmm. So some of the best players in the world get it, and some don't. Chili Davis, we have we've had long discussions about hitting and, and bats, and he understands that the more dense the piece of wood is, the hotter it's going to be, and the further the ball's going to go. So he gave me one of his models. I made it. It's got a very small barrel, very very small barrel. 
because you hit the ball at the at the high point, at the apex of the curve when you meet up with it. The other material that's left on the other edges, it really doesn't make anything. So anything north of the barrel on the on the curve mm -hmm. is going to be a pop up. Anything south of the apex is going to be a ground ball. So really, you're looking to make. Uh, Ted Williams said the hardest thing to do is hit a round ball with a round object, mm -hmm. and he's right. So when you make when the really good hitters make that contact, it's going to be at that. So all that extra wood, I guess what I'm getting at, all that additional wood. Let's say uh, uh, Chili Davis's bat was probably two and seven sixteenths in diameter. David Ortiz's with two two and five eighths. That extra sixteenth or three thirty seconds or so on either side of the bat, it really doesn't make a difference because the ball never makes contact with it. Right, it's, it's all around. Right. Yeah, and that's that's kind of what when I'm when I'm working with my kids, I want them to understand that so much of the bat is unuseful, and we're only yes, we're, exactly. we, we only have to have a feel for where the sweet spot is in space. That's that's all that matters. And if you don't have that feel, you, you said it, the bat's an extension of your arms, and I always say the bat's an extension of your hands because if you don't feel where the sweet spot is in space, um, like we call it proprioception. Because there's a literal proprioceptive feed from the barrel, which is in space, to your hands. And if you don't know where that is just by feel, it's going to be really hard for you to be able to make consistent um, contact on that part of the bat and create that specific angle to avoid the ground ball and the pop-up. And I think that's where the, when you're talking about bat science and bat selection. And it's, it behooves me, it's, it, it bugs me that, that golf actually has an entire system for what they call club fitting right yes and then yep. baseball I think we're kind of getting there in a way but still hasn't figured out how to create a a, 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 a bat fitting um, system for every level from let's say 10 all the way to professional baseball but well, you you've been ahead of your you've been ahead of your time. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, you're, but you've been ahead of your time. Uh, we met fifteen, probably fifteen years ago. Yes. And you would come in and you would you, you know we did some designs on the computer with you and you said mm -hmm. no I need this I need that and we mm -hmm. we kind of uh, custom designed your uh, your bat selections for your training program mm -hmm. and you would talk to me in terms that I really didn't I thought you were talking Greek half the time but <laughs> you were so far ahead of your time because what you were saying then is the same thing that you're talking about now. Mm -hmm. Um, it's about bat speed. It's about all, all the mechanics that go through the whole thing, and how important that tool you have in your hand is is for your success. Um, you know, I, I use the example all the time. I say, you know, if you're going to race at uh, NASCAR, which is coming up this weekend, finally we have something out there that's live. Um, you know, you don't practice with a Volkswagen and go on on the track with a Ferrari or a Lamborghini. You, you practice with what you play with. Mm -hmm. So a point of, of these training tools like what you're using, you're teaching all of those mechanics so that when you get out on the field, your, your brain, your, 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 your mind is already in, uh, uh, geared toward doing the same thing that you've done over and over and over and over again. Yeah, that's great. So can we talk about barrels? Because, you know, I have this, you know, I see kids, people buy bats and they get online and say, oh, Mike Trout's ringing that, I'm gonna go buy that bat. You know, this person's ringing that. What model is that? You know, so like, I'm, I'm, you got, I got, I have written down here 243, 271, and 110. Like, and, if, and for me, when I used to buy order bats for my kids, when we would go to like wood bat tournaments, and my my teams, my baseball teams, where we might go to like a 12U 
wood bat tournament or a 14U wood bat tournament. And these kids didn't, back then, there was really not, not so much <clears throat> information on the internet or YouTube. <clears throat> so they didn't really know which bat they needed. So I would just be like, hey, I'm ordering you guys 243s, pro maple. Um, we're going to cup them and we're going to go out and we're going to be raking the ball. And I'll call it, Lou, I need... I need 30 bats. I need <laughs> I need 30 bats. And we're going to put the logo on there. The kids are going to you know, put their names on. They're going to be like, oh, my God, my name's on my bat, you know. But, you know, the 243, 271, 110, and whatever else is out there, um, can you explain why those numbers are those numbers and what it means and what type of hitters actually are going to go for um, those specific numbers? Well, when um, I can start at the lowest level, I, I get uh, I get parents uh, that walk through the door mm-hmm. and hey, I want to get my kid a uh, I want to get my kid a two forty three because that's what I use when I play. <laughs> and I said, okay, I said, but with all due respect, that was a long time ago. I said, right. so his and this is what I tell every 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 parent that, that that walks through the door. I said, do me a favor, just go go sit down, have a seat. Mm-hmm. We got all the samples on the racks, and I'll call a little little uh, little Johnny over and I'll say, listen. Here's what you want to do. You want to pick up each bat. You want to put it in your hands. You want to feel the grip. You want to feel the balance. Uh, it's got to feel right for you. You're the, you're the one that's swinging the bat. So it's got to feel right for you. So once they pick it up, I said, you probably get it down to maybe two or three. And then I start with, do you like a flare knob? Or do you like what they call a button knob? A button knob is like a 243. A mm-hmm. uh, flare knob would be a... Uh, a 271 mm-hmm. and there's all different types of flares but that's pretty much the gist of it so once i find out that he's comfortable with let's say a flare knob i might put three or four or five models in his hands and say check these out so that's the grip you're going to be comfortable with the grip if you go up to the plate and you're and you don't feel comfortable with the grip you're already you're already defeated forget about it yeah, so right. now so now i go into uh barrel sizes and uh balance points a 243 is an end loaded bat. 243s are usually reserved for big guys that can get that head around with a thin handle. Mm-hmm. So that's, I look at a kid, and most young kids forget forget 243s. But like you said, if a certain player swings a 243, that's, that's the bat they want. But it's always not the best bat for them. So now we get into, and I, and I, I take the bat, and I'll hold it side by side. I'll take a 243 and a 271. And I'll see, you see how the barrel size is so much different? The 243 has a longer, bigger barrel, so it's en- it's an end-loaded bat. I don't think your son can handle that because he's only 12 years old. Now, with 271, that's pretty much tapered. The barrel isn't as long. And to your point, you're looking for the sweet spot that you want to hit. So if there's a sweet spot on every bat, you're just going to get the mechanics right to be able to get to that sweet spot. So a 271 is tapered down. It's probably the most popular bat in baseball. Mm-hmm. Um as it relates to the retail level yes. and it's very well balanced it's very dense because uh, there's so much taken off of the bat mm-hmm. that you start out with a hundred ounce billet think about that a hundred ounce billet will make that bat they're very very strong bats I have kids coming in they just outgrow the bat they don't break it they outgrow it and they come back in three years and say hey listen I, I, I want another one of these and it's all banged up and you know it's pint it's, it's like but it's still a good bat so the difference in the bats, where we make our money is in the middle of the bat. Because a player most times knows what he wants on the barrel. He knows what he wants in the handle area. Those are the, there's, there's three parts to a bat. The handle area, the barrel area, 
and then there's the midsection of the bat. That's where we take a lot of pride in honing in that middle area, and this is basically for professional players. So if they want a little more end-loaded bat, we'll shave a little bit off the middle so that, that, that it, it makes it more end-loaded. If they want a more balanced bat, we'll leave a little bit on the middle. Right. And kind of like that all gets joined together. So we only do that for professional players. We'll customize it. Um, there was a guy that played for the Red Sox. Uh, I'll use his first name. His name was Manny. And he drove me crazy with the handle. He must. I must have sent 15 bats back and forth overnight to Florida. <laughs> um, I can see him being that way. Just a, just a little bit more. You know who I'm talking about. Yeah, I, see, I can see him being that way, though. <laughs> Just a little, no, I, all right, how about this? Can you do a little bit? And I was like, oh, my God, this is going, this is unbelievable. But anyway, we finally we finally got it down, and and uh, he's a pretty good friend. He's a good guy. Yeah. Uh, I just want to say that he's turned his life around, and he's a, he's a model. Uh, he's just a, a really good guy. I, I love the guy. I think he's a great person. And uh, anyway, that's uh, that's kind of like a, 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 you know, a brief synopsis of what we do as it relates to professional players. And we can pretty much pick out a bat for a kid. You can look at him, he's a thin kid, he's got you know skinny arms and he's not developed yet. So you put him in a 271 or a 141 or a 110, something that's balanced. Now you get a kid that's a, you know, he walks in here and he's 16 years old and he's all jacked up. Hey, you know, that kid can handle a 243. Then you mm -hmm. put that bat, if he likes it, he may not like that bat, but it all comes down and I use the analogy, when you go in and you'll try on a pair of shoes, You'll know when you get to the right pair that fits just right. Mm -hmm. I use the same analogy for a bat. When you come in here, your son will know what bat feels comfortable for him. And once he has it, just let him go with that. Just don't don't try to talk him out of something else. Use what you used 40 years ago. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> <clears throat> so what? when was the first time you ever made a one-hand trainer? And when you made the one-hand trainer... What was your goal? Because, and the reason why I'm asking you this is because like I've met a lot of bat, bat people, but um, you know, the reason why I only buy my, my, my bats from you is because I feel like you are, you're a true artist and you put a lot of uh, time into each bat. Like I feel like every single bat is uniquely perfected based on your skill sets and, and your talent, right? And everybody that I've ever sent a bat to are like, oh my God, I can't believe how nice these bats are. I don't even want to swing it. I just want to put it in a frame and hang it on the wall. You know, they, like, they just don't even want to swing it. I'm serious. I, I get that every single time. And that's the only reason why, you know, I've been so loyal because I, for me, I like to work, for, first of all, for me personally, I only like to work with people that I like. Um, that's one. Two. You, I'm haven't not... talked, you haven't talked to my wife yet, then. <laughs> like, if I don't like certain, if I don't like a person, and if I don't like people, I'm not, I'm not working with them. I don't care how, quote unquote, popular their product is. So I'm not a follower. I don't do what everyone else does. If everybody's swinging that, that's nice. But I'm not just gonna swing that because everybody else is swinging that. I'm swinging what I want to do. My due diligence. I want to do my research. I'm gonna find out like what, who, because you know it's not always the most popular bat. That's the best bat. But sometimes kids want to want to swing because they want to fit in. You know, it's kind of like an accessory. Well, everybody has this bat, and I want to fit in, so it's like I, I, I should be swinging this bat because all my friends are swinging that bat, or or a big or more big leaders are swinging it or whatever. But you know, so for me, it's it's, it's, it's a little bit different. So what I'm I'm asking you, from that point of view, 
with the one hand trainer um is it is it a different process is it um obviously the the, the purpose of a one hand trainer is really not performance but it's it's training and and um you know well i yeah to answer your question i've been around professional baseball now for 15 years and yeah. uh when I first started out, my job really wasn't to enact, uh, uh, interact with players. Uh, it was yeah. basically to cut the bats, and, and you know, they I provided them for the company, and, and they took care of the rest. Mm-hmm. However, um, the guys started calling me because I'm the guy that's making the bats, and hey, I need this or I need that. And then I really I learned so much about about the finer points of, of what they're looking for, and it's amazing. Uh, the slightest little difference can make a big difference yeah. uh, in their swing and in, in, their, in their mental approach. So, anyway, um, and uh, Victor Rodriguez, and he won't uh, mind mention, uh, me mentioning his name because he's a very good friend, uh, was the hitting coach uh, up in Boston, and then he's now with Cleveland. And he said, "Louis, I'd like to come down." And uh, he gave me a, he gave me a sample of a. Uh, uh, one-handed trainer and he said I really don't like this I don't like the way it feels the guys don't like it and he said you mind if I come down and we can design something I said absolutely so he came down and we you know, we might have done about six or seven you know renditions of it and finally we got down to one and he said oh this is it and even to this day in my programs on my computer I have it as the Victor Rodriguez one-handed trainer mm-hmm. so that's kind of where it started with the one-handed trainers mm-hmm. um, and a little point of interest we're working on something and you probably weren't the first guys to get it, and you know this better than anyone. A lot of players don't use a one-handed trainer properly because when they come down at the approach to the ball, they start to roll their wrist. That, that's exactly why. Go ahead. I'm, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they roll their wrist, mm-hmm. and they're defeating the purpose. So they, yes. they, they, as they come down with the, the front hand, they're already starting to turn too soon. When they come down with the backhand, they're already rolling over. It's rolling over. They're hitting the top half of the ball, and they're really not. I, I, you can speak to that better than I can, but that's what I've seen. That's what I've heard, especially from you. So we're actually in the process of designing something, uh, which is going to be incorporated into the one-handed trainer, which is going to prevent that bad habit. And I think that's going to be huge on the training side. Yeah, it's going to be because that was one of the reasons why when I when I whenever I did one-handed trainers. Or one-handed back training with people, I wouldn't put it. I wouldn't do it with the top hand. I would only do it with the bottom hand. The, or if is I did, is there a reason? Is yeah, there a reason why? Because the top hand is the one that rolls over. The, the uh, bottom hand doesn't. The does. bottom hand doesn't really roll over. The bottom hand might release. The bottom hand. Um, you got the way that bottom hand is going to move. Um, with that, with that one-hand training is going to be what we call uh, radial or ulnar deviation. So it's, the wrist is going to kind of load. That thumb is going to go back towards the wrist. And then that thumb okay. is going to go away from the wrist just as contact is happening and getting through the ball, right? But when that top hand rolls it over, it changes the entire path of the bat. So now what happens is if you just put it in the top hand with a player that doesn't understand uh, whip release or the timing of the release of the bat, like the whip, if that player doesn't understand that timing, they're just going to be sitting up there rolling over all day. And, and then when they put a real bat in their hands, now that that top hand is conditioned to have poor, uh, what I call bat release timing or bat whip timing. So now that's the issue. So like, so if, if they're with me and I'm watching them and I can babysit each swing, yeah, I'm, I may allow certain hitters that are a little more advanced to, to, to work top hand, 
with a one hand trainer. Otherwise, I'm just sticking with the bottom hand. I'm just sticking with the bottom hand only. Interesting. Hmm. You know, and that's kind of like what I've, what kind of my thing with it, you know, like personally, because I'm working with a range of different talent levels and skill levels and people that have specific control of their body. Like if I'm working with like an elite player who really gets it already, that's fine. I could turn that athlete loose. But, you know, when I'm working with a 12 year old with a one hand trainer or even a 14, 15 year old with a one hand trainer who just doesn't really get or understand that release, I got to be really careful because I could be making that player worse with a one-handed trainer, especially with the top hand. Top hand is such a uh, a uh, intricate, sensitive part of that of that sequence right there. So you know, that's kind of my thing. But you know, I'm sure everybody has their own thing. But well, I, I'm quite amazed. Uh, I, I as, as it relates to the swing. Uh, you and I had sat together. You look at that, and you say, "Look at that! He, he, he's got to do all oh, this. Is the perfect swing." And I look and I say, "Well, they both look the same to me, but I can't really tell." But you have the eye for that because mm -hmm. it's, it's moving way too fast. So, um, we, I, it's just why I love. We have these conversations all the time, you know, about hitting and, and uh, it's such. You know, we used to it, it, again. It, this was a long time ago. Uh, 65 and back when I was uh, 20 years old, uh, you know, you'd get a bat and hit, here's the bat, go up and make sure you hold the label up and that's the instruction to give you up. You <laughs> I know? remember so, that, I remember those why days. Why did you swing <laughs> at that pitch? It's way over your head. I don't know. <laughs> right. yeah, you know, there's, but there's so much now with pitch rec recognition and, uh, oh, it's, it's it's like crazy. And you talk about it all the time. I can't, I can't begin to, to duplicate what you, uh, the knowledge you have in your head about, about hitting and mechanics and the mental side of hitting. Uh, you've written books about it. So it's, uh, I use your name all the time. I say, you want to talk about softball or hitting? Just call Rob Cruz. He's, he's, he's incredible. <laughs> I appreciate that. I can't that. duplicate that. I'll, st I'll stick to the wood. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that, Lou. Um, so here's what I'm going to say. Um, you know, I don't, you know, I, I really, this is this has been great. I really wanted to give my, my people, you don't often get a chance to hear from, uh, hear or hear about bat science, wood science, and how it, how, it, how it integrates into the swing and how we pick our tools how we pick what we go to war with. Like, you, you gotta have the right weapons to go to war. You just can't you just can't go to war with, like, bow and arrows. Absolutely, absolutely. Some, some of these people are going to, going to war with, like, bow and arrows, and you're playing, and these pitches are really bringing it. I mean, you gotta have the right mechanics. You gotta have the right tools and the right bats, and you gotta have the right training bats, and you gotta understand that it all, it's all, it's all contributing to your success and how you develop as a hitter over time. And then when you have the right hitting coaches and, and that can help you and guide you in, the, in what direction you wanna go in, with those tools and with those those training bats and stuff, it kind of makes sense. Because um, when I'm teaching an athlete how to hit, you know, I have to know what kind of bat they're using, what size bat they're using, what their abilities are, because her mechanics or his mechanics have to match um, what his, type of physical, his yeah. physical ability yeah. and what type of bats they, that they're going to be using. So a player that has an end loaded swing has a whole other end loaded bat is going to have a whole other feel at the plate. And, and kids that swing end loaded bats are different in what they're feeling than players that swing bounce that are a little bit more balanced. And then what happens when you go up in weight, and if you can talk about this a little bit, when you go up in weight, like if somebody's swinging like a, 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 with the drop is closer to the length, they have to put that ounce somewhere. That ounce has to be somewhere. So that ounce, if, if your bat is 33, 32, or 31, where are those two ounces living? Where, where are they? I mean, I mean, and if, and if you take, if you go 33, 29 and a half or 29, and that ounce is gone, 
where was it? Where did it come from? Where did, where did they lose the ounce? Because that's going to affect um, what you're feeling in that in that connection with the hands and the barrel. Well, I've had a conversation. Chili and I, he, he, he's, uh, he's he's really quite uh, he's quite the character. He's a funny guy. He's a very <laughs> knowledgeable guy. He's like yeah, he's been around not for just a while. on baseball. He's uh, I mean about all different kinds of topics. But he used to tell me. Uh, when he came down here, we, uh, we we made some bats for him. He said, yeah, that kind of looks like my model. So he said, Lou, you know what I used to do when I got a little bit older? Last five, six years of his career, he said, I, and, and you just, it, it, you triggered the thought when you talked about bats being, uh, you know, like 34, 34, 34, 35. Mm-hmm. How does the guy swing that? Well, Chili would go to spring training, and he would swing a 34, 35-ounce bat. And they'd be throwing fastballs at him. And all the reporters, all the people from the other team would say, hey, look, he's slowing down. I think he's going to have it. This is the year. He can't get around on that fastball anymore. <laughs> he said, Luke, he said, I knew exactly what I was doing. He said, because what I, what I did was um, I wanted people to think that I'm slowing down because I would get quicker swinging the 35-ounce 35, 35 bat. And he said, then I'd show up on opening day with my 34, 31 and a half, and rake those fastballs into the stands. He said, because it was, and you know, it's like, it's the mind game. You know, look, oh, he can't swing, he can't get around, he can't get around. He said, I was just training. The, right. the spring training doesn't count. Spring you know? training is it's, spring training, right. I got, I got yeah, my spot on but, the roster. I'm not fighting for a roster spot. <laughs> exactly. But I got to tell you one funny story. I'm down there, I'm down there spring training. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, Dennis Martinez, you remember him? He pitched for Montreal, pitched for a bunch of Absolutely, absolutely. I know who that is, yeah. So uh, I see he's walking out, and I, I and I, I thought I remembered him playing against Chile. So I said, "Hey Dennis, how you doing?" I said, "Hey, uh, uh, you you played with uh, against Chile Davis, right?" And he went, "Oh yeah." And I said, "Well, it sounds like there's a story behind that." He goes, "You got a couple of minutes?" I said, "I'm here all day, please." So he said, "Well, we were in a game. Uh, we were ahead by two runs. Um, it was in the ninth inning, and..." Uh, Chili's team had two men on. Chili comes up to the plate, and I got, uh, we we're going to put him on. Uh, and he had three balls on him. I forget how the strikes were relevant. So he had three balls on him. He said, my catcher calls timeout, comes out and says, listen, I'm going to set up like I'm gonna, like we're going to walk him intentionally, but you throw a fastball inside to him, and we got him. The game's over. So Dennis says, are you sure about that? He goes, trust me, just do it. So he, he, he gets back behind the plate. He gives the holds the glove up. He throws the fastball on the inside. He says, "I said, oh, I, I think I already know what happened." He says, "Oh yeah, right field stands, game over." <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, next time I see Chili, I said, "Hey Chili, I, uh, I was talking to Dennis the other day, and he was telling me the story." He goes about the uh, they were going to put you on intentionally. First words out of his mouth. Damn right, right field stands. They ain't fooling me. <laughs> it was like. <laughs> it's a, the thing that amazes me about that is they probably how many games do they play? Thousands of games in a career like Chili, mm-hmm. and they, and they go right back to a, a single at bat with all the details. That just that amazes. That, that's true. Me. I I, I can I can go back head. I can go back to like pretty far about specific at bats that stood out, and I, I can tell you details like what happened and what, what the first pitch was, what the second pitch was. What, who was on base? Which one of my teammates was on second? What happened before that? You know, that's amazing. You know, I mean, I, that's amazing. I, I mean, that's just—I don't know. I, I don't know why I can do that. But <laughs> if you ask me what I have for dinner, if you ask me what I have for dinner, like if you ask me what I have for dinner Tuesday, I don't even know what that was. 
Good stuff. But yeah, that was a that was a that was a great conversation with him. He's a he's a he's unbelievable. So Lou, I'm really really glad that you were able to get on this podcast. Um, this was a great talk, and I'm sure that my listeners are going to get a lot out of it. Um, this, not not only was it entertaining, I think it, it was educational. Um, but if anybody has any questions or they want to get in touch with Axis Bats and find out how they can order bats or get some bats, you know, made or any teams want to reach out. How would, they, how would they go about doing that? They just contact us at lou at accessbats.com and they'll get, that'll be a direct email to my office. Right. And we'd be more than happy to help them. And, uh, I thank you for having me on today, Rob. It's always a pleasure. Whenever we get together, I'm sure we can go on for another four hours with uh, talking baseball, but uh, we, I know we both have to get back to work. So uh, I appreciate this, this invite. Thank you very much. And uh, keep up the good work. Thank you.